You'll love this, I promise. <clears throat> Christmas! Hello, movie lovers. You're listening to Does It Hold Up, the podcast where we talk about some of the best movies of all time to see if they still hold up. I'm Emily. And I'm some guy who lives in the woods. And this week we're covering 2019's Klaus. This is a Netflix streaming only movie. Netflix original production. This is our first one ever, mostly because normally we do older movies. We have an unwritten rule of 10 years till we can cover a movie. Sometimes we break it, but this is the one we've broken it for the most. To be honest, I don't think we wanted to wait until 2029 to be able to cover this movie. So we had to break it. (laughs) True. And sometimes revisiting a movie just a few years on, I loved it the first time I watched it. Let me just visit a few years on and see if it still holds up. This one just happens to be one that is a newer Christmas movie that may stand the test of time of being a great Christmas movie that people revisit yearly. When you find one that you actually enjoy, you keep coming back to it. Yeah, this is probably going to be my last year on this pod doing a month of Christmas movies in December because I don't like Christmas movies. There are very few that I want to watch. There are even less that I will rewatch. Mm-hmm. So when you find one, sometimes it's worth talking about, even if it's only four years old. Oh, yeah. So we're doing this movie. And we just thought it'd be fun. This one came out November 8th, 2019 on Netflix. According to Netflix, they had 30 million people watch this movie in the first week it was out. That is massive. That is a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But we can never trust Netflix. That's the hardest part. (laughs) Um, Just they don't like to give out information that they don't have to. So unless the information is good for them, they refuse to share it. If this movie came out and only like 5 million people watched it, they would never have admitted that. It's hard too when you're self-reporting. Like you never want yourself to look bad. You want everything to be amazing. Oh yeah. So you're gonna, you you could even inflate those numbers. No one is checking them. Exactly. Obviously, Ebert, not around to cover this movie. Yeah, unfortunately. And because it didn't really have a theater release, there is no cinema score. So I'm only going off of Rotten Tomatoes. The Rotten Tomato critic score have it 95% or a 7.7 out of 10. Whereas the audience have it at a 96%, a 9.2 out of 10. I'm not a huge fan of the Netflix model. I'm just not a huge fan of streaming in general. Because every single one of these... None of them are in the black. Every single one of these streamers is in the red. They spend more money than they can bring in. Mm-hmm. So what are, they, what are we doing here? I, I miss when streaming was originally out. And it was all about, oh, we're going to have that movie that was in theaters a couple months later. So if you missed it, you can check it out. Or we're going to have your, the old ass movies that you, you loved and you want to watch again, or the TV shows you want to I was going to say, basically, it was just The Friends and The Office was major on oh, streaming. Yeah. We'll talk about Disney Plus real quick, because it's one of the biggest streamers. It's the second biggest streamer to Netflix in the world. What always bothers me about that is, I remember, I grew up in a, the era of the Disney Vault, mm-hmm. where Disney would be like, we're putting this movie out again, so you can purchase it, but only good for two months, and then we're putting it back in the vault. And it, when Disney Plus was first announced, I was like, this is perfect. This is a way to get everybody to pay you monthly for all the stuff that you made 40 years ago. 
that they didn't have a chance to buy during all those little times you put, took it out of the vault. Yeah, give us your back catalog. That's that's it. I would have paid for Disney Plus if it was just the back catalog. But the fact that they're making new stuff for it is just so weird. I don't need originals. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Just give me you, the back catalog. Especially for Disney, you already have an original area for, you know, the Disney Channel original movies. That's where your originals go. So at least you get some advertising on them because they're on TV. Yeah, there's there's so much to it. And Netflix, the first big streamer, I still don't understand how they make money because they don't make money. So I don't understand how they're still going. I don't understand how people still keep giving them money to continue when they're not profitable. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing. But let's get back to Klaus here. Uh, side tangent about streamers over. It'll probably come back <laughs> up. It'll probably come back up. <laughs> So this movie was directed by Sergio Pablos. We're going to play a little game with him. This is the only movie he's ever directed, but he has been an animator on a lot of things. Okay. So I wrote down some of them. So what I'm going to give you is what he animated, and you're going to have to tell me what movie it was for. I can't wait. Okay. So this first one's really difficult, and you're never going to get it, Mm. but we're going to see. We're going to take a wild guess. Okay. He animated... The Paris location setting for this Disney movie. Ratatouille. Wrong. A Hunchback goofy. of Notre Dame. <laughs> a goofy movie. Ah, I'm trying to go through all the movies <laughs> set in Paris. Everything's set in Paris. Okay. He was the animator for Frollo. Okay. What movie? Hunchback of Notre Dame. There you go. You got that <laughs> one. Okay, this next one is the easiest one possible. Oh, okay. He was the animator for Hades. <laughs> Hercules. <laughs> he, he's got a bad guy thing going here. Okay, this next one's a little harder. Okay. He was the supervising animator and character designer for Tantor. Oh, that's uh, Tarzan. Yeah, who's Tantor? Tantor is the uh, elephant. Correct. That one would have got me. I don't know if I would have had that Oh, one. I love Tarzan. It's one of my favorite movies. All right. Last one. He was the supervising animator for Dr. Doppler. Oh my god, I know this one too. Dr. Doppler. Disney movie. Uh, Yeah. How do I not remember this? Underrated. Adventure in space. Oh my god. It is Treasure Planet. It is Treasure Planet. I could literally hear the name being said, Mm -hmm. and I just could not place it. So he starts off being doing bad guys, and then switches to good guys. In the second half of his Disney animation career. But I love all the characters that he animates, so... Oh, yeah. He was also the character designer for Rio. I feel like you just watched that for the first time this year. Rio, the movie about the birds? Yeah. No, I've seen that one before. Oh, okay. I've rewatched it ah. this year. I have not watched the sequel, though. Oh, okay. Something to look forward to. Yeah. The So he was the character designer for Rio. He was also the character designer for a movie, a more recent movie that I absolutely loved, Ferdinand. Oh, I do love that movie. Uh, And then he's also done some executive producing on stuff. He was the executive producer for Despicable Me Mm -hmm. and Smallfoot. Oh. So this this man has had a vast career spanning decades. And this was his first foray into directing. I actually really enjoy the fact that not all of his characters look exactly the same. Yeah, he, he has a really good eye for differentiating things, making things unique, but still familiar, Mm -hmm. which is good. It's really good. Yeah, he's able to mesh it into the style. Oh, yeah. 
here's some fun research. So this is a very uniquely animated film. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like a lot of other animations out there. And it's because what they did was they did hand-drawn animation. All the characters and the backgrounds are all hand-drawn. Which is but, wonderful. But then they used CGI 3D modeling lighting techniques. And that's how they got the very stylish visuals. So they combined the two formats. Smashed them together to give you this beautiful movie. This movie was nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. For Best Animated Feature. Do you remember what won that year? I did. And I actually looked it up, unfortunately. Um, Toy Story 4. Correct. Here were the other movies that were nominated that year. Missing Link. Yeah. I Lost My Body. Never heard of it. That was a good movie. Klaus, this. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. And then Toy Story 4 won. So I'm not mad this one didn't win. I am. (laughs) I'm not. If Toy Story 4 wasn't going to win, then it was going to be How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I mean, sure. Klaus is in third. It came out the wrong year is what I'm hearing. Correct. Comes out the next year, probably wins. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you this, though. I don't think this is the only Oscar it should have been nominated for. Screenplay? I Yes. Mm-hmm. I think maybe original screenplay. Here's the nomination nominees for that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Le- okay. Leave that. Leave that in there. Mm-hmm. Marriage Story. Leave that in there. Mm-hmm. Knives Out. Definitely got to leave that. Yeah. The winner was Parasite. So obviously leave that Eh. here's the movie i take out though and replace with klaus Hmm. 1917 oh yeah it wasn't a story it was a very beautifully done movie visually but the story was just a guy getting from point a to point b with some stuff happening in the middle Mm -hmm. i mean the only thing that that movie really had the claim to fame is the like long shots it's a gimmick movie yeah it was a one shot which is like "Eh." was it really yeah, exactly. So I think take that one out. You could probably fit Klaus in here. Mm. Best original screenplay. I could see it. But I feel like they never really give those to animated movies anymore. They don't. Animated movies, because they have their own section, that's pretty much what they stay to now. They don't really expand out to any other categories, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Because I'm like, what about acting? Like, just because you're in a booth talking only doesn't mean you're not acting. Jason Schwartzman, who plays Jesper, the lead in this, crushes this role. I mean, J.K. Simmons as well for Klaus. Yeah, he's not in it enough, though, for me. So it's like... But when eh. he's in it, he's in it. For sure, for sure. So, yeah. I don't know. Just weird. Just weird. I wish they would kind of let animated movies get into other areas. Would be awesome. Let's just start out. It's amazing animation. It's unlike any other animated movie that came out that year. Has such a distinct visual style. So now that you said something about this guy doing Dr. Doppler as well, yeah, I always noticed that Jesper has the same kind of mouth, same kind of look almost to him as Dr. Doppler. He's very similar. The teeth are the same. Like that He's whole tall idea. And yeah, yeah. He- He's shaped like Dr. Doppler, and I'm like, I've always kind of noticed that it looked familiar to that, but I thought that was just like a coincidence. But now I'm like, oh. Nope. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. What what works, works. And if oh, yeah. you put the characters side by side, you can notice similarities. But there's but definitely different. distinct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's crazy good. I love the detail in this movie, especially in the animation with 
different character designs. They all look very unique and yet somehow still work in this environment. They all, Minus two characters, but we'll get to those we're two We're going to definitely get to those. They're all part of the same world and mm-hmm. yet different enough to understand who they are and where they come from. One thing I absolutely love about that animation too is there is uh, one group of characters that are considered like foreign to these people and they're animated almost slightly differently. They're a little more vibrant. Mm -hmm. They're a little more rounded compared to everything else. Like just something about them texture wise too is different. And it's like, that is such an attention to detail that I love in this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we start out with Jesper, our main character who is voiced by Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> you might know Jason Schwartzman from the new Hunger Games movie. Mm-hmm. Hunger Games. He was uh, Flickerman. I don't remember his first name. I don't remember it either. Uh, he's also done voice work in Fantastic Mr. Fox and most recently as Scott, as Scott, as Spot in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. And he reprises his role of Gideon from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. In the new animated Scott Pilgrim, he's the voice of Gideon. So he has some background in doing voice work stuff. I always recognized his voice. And every time I watch this movie, I have to look up who does his voice (laughs) because I forget it every single time. Every time. time. Every time. He's a great actor. Um, I think he does Jesper perfectly. Yeah. I mean, you're able to make us just really kind of despise this character with how... uh, Sniveling you are? Yes. Mm -hmm. But entitled too. Oh yeah, because the whole point is Jesper is the son of the head chief of postal mail. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what he's called. But the idea this takes place back in what the seventeen hundreds. I have no idea. It's almost a timeless feel to it. But he is the son of that, so he's going to like the best royal postal academy out there. But he's a slacker. The traditional story of because he's rich, he's entitled, doesn't need to work. And he's so used to getting chances upon chances upon chances. So he's at this academy. He's blowing it just so he can go back to his life of like luxury. Doing nothing. Because he couldn't hack it as a postman. Yeah, his lazy life. But his dad has other plans. He sends him off to Smearinsburg, the farthest point away from everything. And is like, you need to set up a post office there and you need to mail 6,000 letters or you will never come home. In a year. Jasper's like, well, hot damn, never going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, and then it's that traditional story of now he has to find a way to get back to his life. But obviously, as the movie goes, he changes, falls in love with the place that he is now at, tries to create a life. Third act conflict when everybody finds out that he's greedy and selfish, and then he has to prove that he's not. This is actually one of my major issues with this movie is it's not very original in that sense. We've seen this exact storyline a million times over. A million and two. Yep. It doesn't stop this one from working. It's just, it's very same, same. It's paid by the, paid by numbers. Mm-hmm. So when he gets to Smearinsburg, he first meets Mogens, mm-hmm. who is the boatman who's going to take him to Smearinsburg. Voiced by the late, great Norm MacDonald, who we lost back in 2021. This was his last movie. Oh, Yeah. Crazy. Oh, I love him. I can never tell where I know his voice from. Again, once again, 
another character that I have to constantly look up whenever I watch this movie because I know his voice and I can never remember from what. He was an amazing comedian. He had that thing about him where he was super dry Mm -hmm. and I don't want to say the word bland, but I'm trying to, I can't think of another flat, but it was so funny because he was never trying to be funny. He just was. Sometimes the way you say things can be funny. Yeah. And the way he says things, it's funny. It's funny. But he plays the boatman who takes Jesper to Smearinsburg. And he has some of the best lines in this movie because he is sarcastic as hell. His sass is off the charts. Oh, it's so good. He's such a great side character that he pops into the movie every, I don't know, 15 minutes for like a line Mm -hmm. here and there. And it just, it always lands. It always lands. One thing to know about me, I will always be here for the sassy character and I love him every time he's on my screen. But he's not just like a nothingness character. He actually gets a moment later on that means he actually has been paying attention and like cares. Oh yeah. So when Jesper arrives in Smearinsburg, he's going through town trying to figure out where the post office is and he's with Mogan's and we see some of the dumbest stuff. That is so funny. <laughs> As we're going through, and this whole town of Smearinsburg is two families, the Ellingbos and the Crum, and they are in a bitter rivalry for decades. They hate each other and they are constantly fighting. So as he's going through Smearinsburg, he sees two old women carrying a dead body, mm-hmm. or at least something wrapped up that looks like a dead body. That's dropping a shoe. It's a boot falls, yes. Then he sees... An old man in a rocking chair gets shoved down a giant hill. By three kids. Yep. And then he sees one of your favorite moments. Makes me laugh every single time I see it. It's where we see a whole bunch of kids around a snowman and they're just kind of stabbing it with carrots. And one girl, as she's like looking, slowly looking over at him, she's slowly stabbing it with the carrot. And I'm just like, I love this. I I don't think I've ever in my life seen somebody shanking a snowman, but I have now. Yeah. I have now. And it's funny. It's super funny. When he gets to the center of town, there's a giant bell and he's like, where is everybody? And Mokins is like, oh, you got to ring that bell. That's what calls everybody out. And then they know you're here. But that's the fighting bell. The it's minute the battle it's, bell. The minute it's rung, everybody just goes to war. So funny. Great <laughs> setup. Like, so far, I'm completely in. I know what our main character wants. Mm-hmm. And everything else has been great comedy. And this is when we get kind of like the physics of this movie, too. Because some of the things that happen in this scene are ridiculous. And, like, it, it shows you how kind of extreme and how animated this world can be. This is where we meet the entire town. And this is my first negative. Mm. It's a great introduction to for Jesper to this town, but it's so chaotic that none of it really works at all. I know it's supposed to make Jesper afraid, but as the audience, I'm like, I don't know what the hell is happening and I don't care. Mm-hmm. We needed a little more setup, a little more something before we get to this moment. We just don't. They kind of throw us in. And it just confuses me. Yeah, besides the one real instance of the kids pushing the the grandpa down the the slope, we don't really see them kind of fighting amongst themselves until this moment. Mm -hmm. And it's just full chaos. Yeah, it's weird. It's a little much. Yeah, it's weird. I don't like it. So then the whole town is fighting whatever. They find out he's a postman. He goes and finds the post office with the help of Mogan's. He's trying to set up everything, you know. 
And then he meets Ova. Ova is a local school teacher who has given up that life to sell fish to try to make enough money to get out of Smearinsburg because she made a mistake when she took a job trying to teach it in a town where nobody sends their kids to school. Yeah. So. This is a great introduction, though. She is so sad, like, not sassy, like, she's aggressive, but, like, in your face. I don't, I don't know how to explain this moment for her. That works. That's fair. <laughs> that works. She's aggressive and in your face, but it's kind of good. It works. Yeah. She is voiced by Rashida Jones, who you'll know as Zoe in I Love You, Man. Mm-hmm. She also played Marilyn in The Social Network, which mm-hmm. we covered earlier this year. She was Anne in Parks and Rec, which is a huge TV show. She was also the voice of Hotwire in The Awesomes. Oh, yeah. She was the voice of Donna Who in the newest The Grinch movie from 2018. Mm-hmm. So I did. I recognized her as a voice. I didn't recognize it as Rashida Jones's voice. I don't connect the two for some reason. Yeah. And she's great. She puts a lot into this character and I think nails that like, I'm trying to push you away. But also there's just something really intriguing about me that you're not going to be able to let go of. Mm-hmm. She balances that really well. And I oh, think it works so well. Great. Jesper starts going through town trying to be like, hey, if you have letters, let me know. I'll mail them. I'm a postman because he needs to get that 6,000 letters. But no one's mailing anything. Nobody gives a crap. They're, they have nowhere to go. They don't want to mail anything. They're not talking to anybody. Everybody they talk to is in this town. I mean, basically, Mulgan says it best where he's like, the people in this town only have one thing to say to each other. And they're doing just fine on their own. As in the background, we see a cannon knocking over, over someone else's house. <laughs> it's it, great visual gags in this oh, movie, too. So many great background visual gags. So he's trying to get these letters and it's not working. And then a letter gets blown to him. A little piece of paper just ends up at his feet. And he's like, what's this? It's a drawing. And he picks it up and it's just this little drawing. And his kid screams down from a window. Hey, can you give that back to me? And Jesper's such a little bitch in this moment. But it's so funny. I mean, he's a little bitch through most of this movie, but But it I mean, works. he's literally trying, he tells this kid, oh yeah, uh, see, I can't just give it to you because I'm a postman, so I can mail it to you. I just need a penny. Just give me a penny for, for postage. postage. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll stick it in your mailbox. Can you just stick it in? Yeah. What a little sniveling bitch. Oh, it's so good though. Like, that's the point. Yeah. We're not supposed to like him, and I don't like him. But it sets up because, you know, the dad comes over and sticks his dogs on him. So Jesper now has this letter. Yeah, sends him away. And now he's just gotten to the point of he knows he's never going to get any letters. Mm-hmm. He's going to be rotting here in Smearinsburg for the rest of his life. Until the map in his post office, the wind blows and opens up the map. And he notices a small little cabin on the map in an area that he hadn't seen before. So he asks Mogens if anybody lives there. And he's like, yeah. So he sets out to go to the cabin. And this is where he finds Klaus. The scary woodsman. The scary woodsman who carries an axe and cuts rope and just... And is a good head above everyone else. Three heads above everybody else. I this actually man watched. Is a mountain. He, Jesper's head just hits his shoulder. Oh, really? Yeah. God, he's such a mountain he, of a man. But, but he's, he's a like mountain. four times wider yes. than everybody yes, as well. Yes, he is. Almost everybody. Oh, uh-huh, that's fair. We're still going to get there. So this is where we meet Klaus, who is the embodiment of Santa. Mm-hmm. Big, huge man, big white beard, 
who makes toys. The only thing different is he's kind of surly. Oh, he's not kind of. He, <laughs> he is. definitely is. And Klaus is voiced by J.K. Simmons, who probably a couple years ago, you could say, was one of the best working actors. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, I don't know anybody who says a bad word about him. It's usually, I love him. He's great. He's great in everything. Uh, you know him as Fletcher in Whiplash, which yep. we also covered. J. Jonah Jameson in all the Spider-Mans. There is never a different one. He was Mac in Juno. I know you mm-hmm. love that movie. He was also the voice of Kai in Kung Fu Panda 3, the bad guy in Kung Fu Panda 3, and he was the voice of Tenzin in The Legend of Korra. He has a very distinctive voice. You can pretty much always tell it's him because of just how unique his voice is. Yeah. But it works for Klaus. He has this just deepness to his voice that it looks like it would come from this mountain of a man. But a softness as well. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not a hard, deep voice. It's got a little bit of care to it. Like, you understand that this man is very, like, soft-spoken, but he's coming from a mountain, so... (laughs) Do you want to know one of my favorite JK roles? Hmm. The farmer's insurance guy. Yeah. I love those commercials. We are farmers. (laughs) We cover it because we've seen it. (laughs) I got to work with JK Simmons a couple years ago. He was doing a show for Amazon Prime called Night Sky. Mm-hmm. got to work with him on that he's you know they always say don't meet your heroes mm-hmm. he might be one of those people he's much different than you would ever expect him to be and not in a good way which is weird because you say that no one's has anything bad to say about him as an actor like oh people who see his movies are all like i love him i love him oh he's so great in this movie and and he's not a bad person he's just different he's very demanding he's and particular. like can be a real dick well, mm. being demanding sometimes, and it just, he comes across poorly. And maybe yeah. it was just that show. Maybe he wasn't having a good time on that show. It could be post-COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. But yeah, it just kind of kind of hurt me a little bit. Left a sour taste in your mouth? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Mm. So we meet Klaus, and Klaus lives in the woods. Let's just, let's go into his backstory, because it's one of the tragic moments of this story. This is a comedy That can definitely make you cry at the same time. Oh, yeah. Definitely your tears are falling. And part of it is he has such a backstory. Sad backstory. I I almost think it's almost too sad. Is it, though? So Klaus moved to this cabin with his wife, Lydia, and they were planning to have a big family. They never had kids because I'm assuming they couldn't. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they don't directly address that, but I'm assuming they just couldn't have kids for whatever reason. Yeah. And then she dies. We don't know how she dies. She got sick. Yeah, we don't know how she dies. She just dies. And then he's been left alone in this cabin for years. And he used to make toys for the massive amounts of kids him and Lydia were going to have that they never did. So Mm. now he's just got a barn full of toys. And this is why he's Santa. (laughs) So basically... When you think about the opening to Up, it's that. Yes, but not as dramatic, I don't think. Because they don't actually show it too much. They show like little flashbacks here and there, but it's not like in your face. To me, Up is still a sadder story than Klaus. I think because we get that backstory after we already get to see him starting to become happy again. Mm. Could be. No, I don't think so. Mm. To me, it's just the Up one devastates me. Klaus just makes me sad. Okay. So, what are you going to do? But he goes up, and uh, 
Jesper's like, okay, this man is going to kill me. He's got a giant axe and I need to get the hell out of here. As he starts running away, he loses the drawing that he had from the little kid and it goes to Klaus. The wind takes it to Klaus. And I keep mentioning the wind for a very specific reason, which we will get to. The wind takes it to Klaus. Klaus looks at Jesper and says, where is this? And Jesper's like, I'll show you. He doesn't want to show him, but he shows him. Takes him there. And as the postman, Klaus makes Jesper deliver a package to this little kid. But it's not easy. There's a fence, iron fence in the way that Klaus just bends really easily. He's a mountain of a man. It's crazy. Then he gets thrown into the air through the chimney. These killer dogs are trying to attack him the whole time. The dad will shoot him if he sees him. So he has to sneak through this house to leave a present. Does that sound familiar at all? (laughs) That's how Santa delivers things to you. Sneaks into your house and leaves it behind. But he does. He sneaks in, leaves this package, and it's a toy for this kid. The kid unwraps a toy, and it's a little wind-up frog that jumps around. And this moment here, where Klaus is watching the kid play with the toy. It's beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. It's great, because this is everything he's ever wanted. To watch a child enjoy what he made. Mm-hmm. He just wishes it could be his child, but, you know, by proxy. And this is the first time he takes off his hood, so he looks a little less scary. Yeah, and then that's the first night. So then they go their separate ways, and this kid gets his toy, and he tells other kids that he has a toy. And his cousins, the the kids he told, come to the post office and say, Oh, our cousins told us if we send a letter to Klaus, he'll bring us toys. And that sparks the idea for Jesper. And Jesper's like, yeah, everybody start writing letters and then you'll get a toy. I love the scene where he's going around and it's like drug deals. Yes. And he's giving the kids pen and paper, pencil and paper, because they don't have it. With an envelope. With an envelope. And he's like, make letters. But he's doing it in a sly way. Like they're standing next to each other and he slips it to them. Mm -hmm. They're in a dark alley and he hands it over to them. Like, it's so drug Mm dealy, but it's so funny at the same time. I love in this moment, too, because we have a few kids that are like, we don't know how to write. And he's like, I thought that was right before he goes to get the toys. I think it's after the second one. But either way, it doesn't matter. We can talk about it. So basically, he has a few kids that are like, we don't know how to write in a town where no one sends their kids to school. So he's like, uh-huh. Go to school. Let's send you to the school. So number one, I can annoy her, but also maybe help her out a little bit. So these kids just start showing up at this fish shop, which is supposed to be a school, but it's just got dead fish hanging everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they're like, can you teach us something? And she's like, no, no, I'm not telling, I'm not teaching you nothing. Fine. If I teach you something, will you go away? And then she teaches them. She teaches this one little girl how to write her name. The little girl writes her name on the chalkboard and is just so happy. There you go. Really? That's my name? Yes. Yay. It's your name. Wow. Can you teach me something else? Oh, come on. It's great. Uh, and the, the, just the realization in her face of like, this kid wants to learn. All these kids want to learn. I have my spark back. <laughs> A little bit. We're not quite there yet. Yeah. But she's like, fine, I'll teach you something else. But go away right now. Mm-hmm. And this entire time, she's been saving all her money to get out of Smearsburg, and she hides it in a fish's mouth, this little jar of coins. And throughout the next, the 
next 30 minutes of the movie, we see her digging into that jar, yeah, taking coins, it, yeah. and it's slowly going away, but her classroom is slowly becoming a classroom again. I love the scene where all the dead fish are hanging, and then the line is moving, and it's like, dead fish, dead fish, dead fish. Then it changes to, dead fish, dead fish, kids drawing. Then it's, kids drawing, dead fish, kids drawing. And then it's just all kids' drawings. Mm-hmm. It's the little things that just make this movie work. And yeah. I didn't know I wanted that moment until I got that moment. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, okay, that works. So he's helped her, even though maybe that wasn't his goal. He just I, wanted the kids to go learn to write so he could get more letters. I kind of think it was a bit of column A, a bit of column B. I like, don't think so. I think this dude only cares about himself. All this side stuff happening of, of her, like her getting this, the town getting better. Didn't care about any of that. He just wanted letters. Mm. But so he gets some letters and he has to go back to Klaus. But the thing is, he told all these kids that they'd get toys without even verifying with Klaus that they'll get these toys. Yeah, I'm so surprised by that. I'm like, you really believe in your smooth talking that much that this surly guy is suddenly going to give toys? He'll bribe him or something. I don't know. It's super weird. But he goes to the cabin. He tells Klaus all about it. And Klaus is like, fine. He's like, no. And then the wind picks up. Yeah, you're right. He's like, I'm not doing it. I don't No, I don't go into town. And then the wind blows past him and starts circling around Jesper. And Klaus is like, okay, fine. We'll do it. <laughs> Same time tonight. Oh man, we got to do it overnight. You shouldn't be with me. You know, I can just take it. I can you just know? take him now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. So funny. So they go and they start delivering toys. We get a little montage of him dropping toys off and stuff. And now more kids are writing letters. More kids are learning to write. Except for one little dick kid. Who wrote a letter. But he was a jerk. So he didn't get the toy. He got coal. Hmm. Sound familiar? And the mm-hmm. reason he got coal is because he's a little dick. Mm-hmm. He's the jerk kid. He's the bully in the town who bullied Jesper earlier in the movie. So when Jesper was delivering toys, he gave him coal instead of the toy. I wonder if that was enough for him to just get Cole because he literally like said ha loser you know you should you should leave and it's like that's what it took are you serious you have such thin skin are you not paying attention to who Jesper is that's fair he's never been told that before that was like the worst thing that could have happened that's fair okay I love when the kids like how come I didn't get a toy and Jesper tells him this whole story of like oh you see Klaus is always watching he knows he knows he's got a naughty list and you don't want to be on the naughty list and then it's one of the best beat drops oh where just this song just pumps in all of a sudden yes oh i didn't have to he knows (gasps) what do you mean he sees everything you know every mischief prank and dirty deed he keeps a list the naughty list, he calls it. You lie. Trust me. You do not want to be on the naughty list. So, you still want to throw that snowball? I didn't think so.
such a great moment. This you don't mess with the postman. It is so good too because it's like he got his feel good moment, like haha, yeah, cool. But it also showed all the kids being like, we have to be nice to get toys. So then these two families who have been warring for years, all their kids start playing together. They start doing nice things. The crumb kids help an Ellingbow man after he breaks his leg. Mm -hmm. The Ellingbow kids help bring in the laundry from a crumb family. And we slowly see these families. It's one of your favorite parts in this movie. Oh, yeah. The kids are talking. It's it's voiceover right now, talking. They're they're writing their letters. Mm -hmm. So we're hearing all the things they do. And one couple of kids write. And yesterday, instead of stealing Mrs. Runa's berries, we picked them all up for her. <laughs> she came to our house later, and she brought Mom lots of berry jam. <laughs> and then Mom brought her a berry pie. So good. It shows how much change can happen from even the, the youngest generation, like doing what a lot of people say is like the meaning of this movie of like doing small things can definitely change your world basically. Mm -hmm. And that exact exchange is the best part is because the kids did something nice for the one lady. So she does something nice, but you know, has to go hmm, while doing it. And the other mom has to do something nice too, because it's like, well, you did something nice. So now I have to do something nice. So they're like almost, uh, rivalry became doing better nice things for each other it's a great message mm -hmm. of like if you don't like the way things are you can change it yeah it's amazing so they continue to keep giving these kids toys as they're doing and we're watching this town change and we're watching the two people change we're watching jesper and klaus get closer and closer jesper starting to enjoy doing this and so is Klaus. And so is Klaus, who's coming out of his curmudgeon shell. And it's good moments. Just good moments. It's just feel good. And this whole section of the movie just goes. It so is fast. quick. And you are entertained. And you don't realize that like half an hour has passed. And you're like, oh my god. The movie's almost over. We're, we're nearing the third act conflict here. And two people have a problem with it, though. Mm -hmm. And that's the leader. Mrs. Crumb, the leader of the Crumb clan, and Mr. Ellingbow, the leader of the Ellingbow clan, don't like what's happening. They want to keep everything the way it was. You're always going to have those kind of people. Oh, yeah. You can't change everyone. Mr. Ellingbow is voiced by Will Sasso, who is most famous for being on Mad TV. Mm -hmm. And he's done a lot of movies, like he was in the Three Stooges movie. Mrs. Crumb is voiced by Joan Cusack. She was also the voice of Jesse in Toy Story 2, 3, and 4. And she was the voice of the lead elf in another underrated Christmas movie, Arthur Christmas. Ah, I know her well from Ice Princess, being yes. the mom. <laughs> yes, you do. So, two, like, even the side characters get good voice actors. Oh, yeah, and they, you, you can tell. You can hear it in the voices, because Mrs. Crumb has so many wonderful lines, too. You know, just the exasperated, how have we not defeated you yeah and so they make up a plan to stop this present delivery so everything can go back to the way it was mm -hmm. it doesn't work they're gonna like smash the presents it doesn't work so what do they do they find out that jesper needs to get six thousand letters and he'll leave so they call his dad and are like hey he did it 
we, he delivered 6,000 letters. Because they've done a whole bunch they of letters. They wrote them all like, up so they, they could get there. They got to 14,000 letters. Yep. And the dad shows up and everybody finds out Jesper was only in it for himself. Third act conflict. Mm-hmm. And he's leaving. And when he gets on this boat to go home with his dad, he looks depressed. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment you talked about earlier where Mogan's gets that like, man, you've been so sassy and so sarcastic this entire time, but you actually have some care in you and you've been paying attention because as they're getting on the boat, Jesper sits down, he's depressed. The dad walks past and Mogan's tells him, well, that's a first. I beg your pardon. Never saw a postman looking more miserable leaving than on the day they came in. Oh, well, best leave it alone. I say, I'm sure it's nothing that could fester and eventually become a source of resentment and regret. It's not even just that line. It's the look on his face, too. They do a great bit of animation because he has that little smirk on his face pretty much the entire movie. It, it's nonstop, that smirk. But as soon as he sees Jesper walk by and he is like trying to joke with him and he just doesn't, his face just drops and you're like, oh my gosh, you actually did care about this person. Yeah. That's just how you showed your relationship with him. It's a great moment. Absolutely great moment. And the boat leaves and you think Jesper is on it, mm-hmm. but he's not. He he got off and his dad was proud of him for everything he accomplished because they had a little talk about it that we don't get to see. And I think it's great we don't get to see it. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. I know what happened. I can figure it out. This movie doesn't hold your hand through things. It will hold your hand through some things, but it doesn't hold your hand through everything, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So after he gets off the boat, he has to go back and save Klaus because he notices the Ellingbos and the Crumbs, the ones that want it to go back to the old ways, headed up to his cabin to... They're, they're a mob. They're yeah. torch-wielding mob at this point. We don't know. They're going to go burn him down? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to save him and we get a moment where the sled that all the presents are on isn't attached to the reindeer. It is such a funny moment because <laughs> he gets in. He's like, let's go. And he snaps the reins and the sled starts going backwards. They're not attached. Why aren't they attached? I thought they were attached. I would never in a million years have done what I just did if I didn't think these were attached. After them! Oh my, it's so funny. I crack up every time. I know it's coming. Yep. Yeah. You know it's coming and you're still like, yeah, this is funny. Because he just like is kind of deadpan saying it to him too. Like, oh my God, like, really? Oh yeah. So now we get this like cool sled chase because all of the bad guys have to chase them because they have the giant sack of presents and they want to destroy the presents so everything can go back to normal. So we get this giant sled chase that ends with Jesper catching the sleigh as it's about to go over a cliff which is very Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Very much so, yes. And he stops it just in time, but he still loses because Mrs. Crumb walks over to it and cuts open the sack that's leaning over the cliff and all the presents fall out. More like she magically appears because she stops way up on the hill and suddenly she she's there. They've won. The presents are gone. It's over. Nah, just kidding. Klaus knew the whole time Mm -hmm. because Alva told him because kids talk. And they happen to talk about, you know, their parents forming an angry mom. I'll listen. Yep. So they had this whole thing set up. All those presents that just went over the cliff 
were either empty boxes or pieces of wood. Mm-hmm. That's it. And they got the real presents still. So they go and they deliver all the real presents. But this moment is very impactful because obviously they hated Jesper for what they he did to of them. Of course. And it took this amount of effort on his part to kind of redeem him in their eyes. Like, he, you literally risked your life for what you thought were the toys. Uh, clearly they weren't, but... He didn't know. It had to be that kind of gesture for him to get back in their good graces. Correct. Correct. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so they forgive him. They go and they deliver their toys. Everything is happy ending. And then we get a little flash forward. We get a little narration at the end. Jesper telling us how they continued to do this tradition. How they expanded year on year as more Mm -hmm. kids started writing letters. And we just get this little clip of Jesper showing up at Klaus's door. Just talking about what's going on through all these years. And we watch these characters age. So beautiful. And then Klaus is in the woods one day. 12 years later. 15. He said 12. On the 12th year. Oh, I thought it was 15. 12 years later, he's chopping wood and the wind blows. And he just says, I'm coming, love. Walks off into the light, never to be seen again. Straight up disappears behind a tree. Yep. Oh, it's so good though. And that's it. And Jesper goes, Jesper tries to find him and nobody's seen him. And he realizes what happened. Klaus is dead, but he lives on. Because he looked for him everywhere. Couldn't it's find like him. he disappeared because he even talks to a whole bunch of different people trying to find him. And he's just gone. Mm-hmm. And then we see Klaus is married, Alva. They mm-hmm. have two kids. And this is a couple years later. I love this. I love this ending. Love the ending. Because this is the absolute end of the movie. Jesper's sitting in a chair by a fire with two cups of cocoa. Clearly it's Christmas Eve. Yep. And he just gets this wonderful last line of, and once a year, I get to see my best friend. And then you hear some jingle bells and And Jesper looks up and just looks so happy. Yep. So basically Klaus disappeared to become the spirit of Santa and continue this Christmas tradition that they set up of delivering presents to kids because that's what this has been the whole time. The origin of Santa and delivering presents. Have you ever wondered where all these things started? Yeah. So good. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. That's what we end on. Mm-hmm. let's go back and touch upon a couple of things that we kind of i purposefully skipped over because i felt like they just needed to be talked about by themselves the reason the Ellingbows and the crumbs change their minds by the end and stop trying to stop them from delivering presents is two of their kids fall in love a crumb falls in love with an Ellingbow, and it's the kids of the leaders of each clan yeah so it changes their mind I hate this whole side story, love story between these two characters. Because we get it throughout the movie. We get little moments here and there. A little bit. The way they look at each other, the way they're always on the same page with each other. It's there. 
Hmm. Like the part where they're pushing the tree and the boulder at the same time and the boulder and the tree connect and don't actually crush Klaus and Jesper. That's literally visual representation of them coming together. Hmm. I hate it. And the reason I hate it is, is it distracts from the main story. It doesn't matter. You could have gotten to the ending of them accepting it all in so many different ways. Yeah. And the design of these characters pisses me off. Makes absolutely no sense. Everybody's kind of similarly shaped, similarly sized, except for Klaus, who's twice as big as Jesper and twice as, four times as wide. But these two are freaking giants. They are five times the size of everybody else in this town. In fact, we do see at one point when they are having that sled chase, the one chick is bigger than the sleigh full of toys. She dwarfs Klaus, who's already bigger than everybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what the hell is happening with these characters. It also makes absolutely no sense that each family has a giant, a giant. And it's the kids of the main people. Yeah, it's such a weird side plot that just really hurts the overall movie. Mm-hmm. And I hate them. I, you know, I don't really mind the romance thing. I think it's a, it's a means to an end. I just, I cannot get past their character designs. Yeah, I mean, the character designs are a big part of it. And then just the idea of they're what ends the fighting. Ridiculous. Yeah. We don't have enough time with it. Just, if you're not going to go full in on the love story, don't have it. I, I okay. So I hate him. I, I think it ruins the movie. I, I don't feel as strongly as you do it's about fair. it, but... It's fair. Another character that we completely glossed over for a reason is this little girl. You kind of brought up the, the foreigners earlier, and they're called Sami mm -hmm. people, and they don't live in this town. They live outside the town. And this little girl, Margu, shows up every day trying to send a letter to Santa, to Klaus, to ask for a present, but she doesn't speak English. Mm -hmm. So Jesper never knows what the hell she's saying. And her little side story is amazing in this movie. It's so beautiful. She shows up. He has no idea what she's saying, so he keeps ignoring her. She keeps showing up slowly he starts to form a bond with her where he can kind of understand what she's saying even though he doesn't know what she's saying. It's like, I don't need to understand you to know what you're saying. Yeah, and it's definitely someone he ends up confiding in because he thinks, well, you know, what? what's the point? Like, what's the matter of me confiding in this kid that- She can't hear me anyway. No one will understand even if she does understand me and wants to tell other people. Yeah. So- it's that kind of bond. So I don't know if he necessarily can understand her or if he's just, you know how you like talk to your dog and you like pretend like they understand what you're saying. Oh no. I feel he, like it's kind of like He that. definitely understands. Like I said, he doesn't know what she's saying, but he understands the feeling, the overall idea of what she's saying. So eventually he gets connected to her enough that he brings her to Alva to be like, Sorry to bother you this late, but by any chance, would you happen to understand this? I, I absolutely love that moment. That moment makes me chuckle every time every I see time. it. Every time. Because it's so Jesper, and it's so, and the look that 
Alva gives. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, let's let's do it. And that's where their connection really comes into play, too. And he, they help her write a letter to Klaus. And mm-hmm. she asks for a sled. Now, mind you, this is during one of the times that Jesper and Klaus are on the outs. So Jesper tries to make the sled himself. Because Jesper found out about Lydia, mm-hmm. Klaus's wife. He was trying to revamp his whole workshop and get him to make new toys. And Klaus said no. And Jesper found a picture of Lydia, their family tree he made for them, mm-hmm. where they were to put all their little dolls on it. And Klaus got pissed. Told him, I told you not to touch stuff, you know. Yeah. Get out. So they're not friends right now. So Jesper's going to make the sled all by himself. <laughs> and he's a terrible toy maker. Yeah. But Klaus finds him. The wind leads Klaus to the barn, to the workshop Well, Jesper's in there. Trying to make this sled. Desperately trying to make this sled. And Klaus is like, I got you. And they work <laughs> together. And they make this beautiful sled. And then they deliver it to Margu. Mm-hmm. And they watch. They deliver it to her in the middle of the night. And then they hang out long enough until the sun rises. She finds the sled. And we get a good minute and a half scene here of just them watching her and her family play on this sled with beautiful music playing. Well, this is a very pivotal scene for Jesper's character where he is finally understood what it feels like to do this for a kid. He, he actually finally gets it. To do it selflessly. Yes. Yes. He does not make this sled because it's another letter. Why? Because she didn't send a letter. Mm-hmm. She wrote the letter, handed it to him, and he went and made the sled. It wasn't ever delivered. He can't add that to his amount, tally. To his yeah. tally. He did it for her, not for him. Mm-hmm. This is the moment for him in this movie. And... Klaus sees the absolute joy in Jesper's face watching this. And it's Klaus's moment of, we will now be bonded. Mm-hmm. I love this moment so much. It, it's an important moment. And the music playing and just the uh, visuals. So pretty. It's great. And then when they decide to do Christmas, when they decide to do thousands of toys for all these kids and all this, and they got to make new toys, the Sami people show up at Klaus's and they walk in and they wear red and blue big outfits and they're going to help. They set up the workshop. They help make the toys. And we get two important moments here with these people. Mm -hmm. One, Klaus gets his red suit. Yeah. You think it's a bit much? We'll just uh, blindfold the reindeer so they don't get dizzy. Yeah. I love, I love the way he just pats him on the chest as he walks past, too. And Klaus is like, shrugs. It, it shows how close of friends they had become. Yes. And the second most important part is what Jesper found earlier was this carved tree with two little figurines. One was Klaus. One was Lydia, his wife. Mm-hmm. And they were in the top of the tree. And then all down the branches is where they were going to put little figurines of all their kids because they were gonna have tons massive amounts of kids but they never got to Mm -hmm. it's so poignant and i love it and that's another great thing for this movie to be kind of showing is family can come from anywhere it doesn't always have to be a very traditional you know blood relation kind of family you can choose your family and they can be just as fulfilling yep yes klaus no longer has to be alone Mm mm-hmm 
and it's great and that that's the movie yeah there's little things i don't like about it there's some things we're going to talk about right now in our nits and questions but it's pretty much a beautiful movie before we go into nits let's do two things research first so i already talked about how it was hand-drawn animation nita margreth laba is the voice of margu mm-hmm. she did not speak english she doesn't know english so director Sergio Pablos traveled all the way to Norway because she's Norwegian. Hmm. And that's where they did her recordings. And they did her recordings of this Sami language through translation and mimicry. Sergio would do the, the, the words the way he wanted them. And then Nita would mimic it. Okay. But he went all the way to Norway to do this. Again, it's that level of care in this movie. $40 million budget for an animated movie is low. Yeah. You look at these Disney movies, they're $200 million. Especially knowing who you got for your cast. Yes. Because I think everybody just read the script and was like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of this. But that's just crazy to go all the way to Norway to record some dialogue. Yeah. To get it right. But it worked. The Reindeer... So originally they're using a single horse to pull a sled that has all the presents. As the presents grow, it gets too heavy. So they have to try to capture some reindeer to pull the sled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the reindeer originally were being sh- given berries to eat when Klaus is putting stuff down to lead them to the sleigh. Yeah. Until the team discovered that berries are actually very poisonous and toxic to reindeer. Ooh, yeah. So they went back and reanimated it with moss balls. Oh, that's what that is. I thought it was like broccoli. No, it's moss because that's what reindeer actually eat. Smart. I mean, willing to do that because you know if someone sees it in a movie, they're going to replicate it. Yep. Yeah, they saved the reindeer. It's great. The towns on the map in uh, Klaus's post office are named after people who worked on the movie. Animators and stuff, they put their names in there in in town form. Nice. Yeah, I think that's cool. The boat we see in Klaus's workshop is named Lydia, after his late wife. Aw. Such a cute little thing. The voice of Pumpkin, who is the oversized giant of Ellingbow, Mm -hmm. who's a girl, was voiced by the director, Sergio Pablos. (laughs) Um, And the last thing is, if you guys noticed, I mentioned the wind a lot throughout mm-hmm. this podcast. The wind did this, the wind did that. Because the wind is very important here. It's its own character. It is 100% its own character. It is. Le- it leads us to believe that Lydia was reincarnated as the wind and directs Klaus how to do things or when he should trust people through the wind. And to be able to make it seem like it's its own character... Is very impressive. 100%. Mm-hmm. Let's go into knits. Yeah. My first knit, he delivers toys every night. These kids don't even have a chance to really play with their toys before he's delivering more toys. Unless he's toys. not delivering it to the same kids every night. I mean, still though, every night? Every night, not a single person is caught on, has seen him, knows what the hell's happening. This town has a lot of kids. Yeah, apparently. A lot yeah. of kids. The love story of the giants. Yeah. Get the hell out of my movie. There's not enough. So there's a great moment where Klaus finally laughs 
at something Jesper says, and it's a hearty ho, ho, ho. Mm-hmm. And Cl- Jesper's like, oh my God, that's how you laugh? Do it again. Come on, do it again. That's it. We don't get more laughing from Klaus in the rest of the movie. I thought we get it like one more time. I need more laughing from Klaus if that's the way he laughs. That's fair. I'm with Jesper. Give me all the laughing. Mm-hmm. How did you not put more in this movie? Also, they have megalodons in the water that surrounds their town, and we never get to see. Because we see the skeleton? We, yeah, we see the jaw of it hanging outside this house, and it's massive. It can only be to the megalodon. But we <laughs> never touch upon it, and come on! You have megalodons! Show me it! Yeah. That's all I got. Um, we never go back to see if that naughty kid ever gets toys. Like, if he ever changes his ways and gets toys. Do we care? I do. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, if you're going to show every kid changing, might as well show the one that sparked it all. Maybe he didn't. That's fair. And he's always on the naughty list. Yep. Um, Letting the kid, letting Margu get to tears before letting her know that you didn't get on the boat. Like, she's calling out for him, at, you know, at the end of the movie. She's calling out for him, crying. And that's when you say, oh, hey, yeah. Jasper. Jasper. Yeah. She's like breaking down. Yes. And then he's like, hey, kid. I guess I missed my boat. And it's just like, you had to wait for the timing. I mean, yeah, gosh. It's such good timing. Uh, too dramatic. A, it's a movie moment. It's a movie <laughs> moment. And then not telling Jasper the plan. Like, so much happens on the 24th of December. Because that's when they're still making toys. They're getting everything ready. And that's when Jesper's dad gets there. And the whole third act conflict happens on that day. And so somehow they were able to make this whole big plan without telling Jesper that they they know a mob is coming. I don't know if they knew about the mob when Jesper's dad shows up. Jesper's dad shows up. At the beginning of the day, it's still very bright out. Mm -hmm. They're not leaving on the boat and he doesn't get back to them until it's nighttime. I don't know if they knew yet. Then that was a very quick wrap job on all of those fake toys. There's like 500 people there. Yeah. (sighs) We don't know how fast those Sami people can wrap presents. I know it bothers me too until I remember that the dad showed up at like eight o'clock in the morning. And they're not getting on the boat till like 1030 at night. Yeah. So it's possible that she heard about it at another point in time. All right. Who knows? Who knows? Questions? Let's do it. So we know on this island, there are only two families, the Crumbs and the Ellingbows. Mm-hmm. So is this movie basically saying every single person in this movie is an inbred person? It explains the big children. It doesn't still no it still doesn't that. but <laughs> so all the crumbs have to marry crumbs and have crumb children and so everybody's related to everybody yeah it's very confusing with that because the only people that aren't crumbs or ellingbows are klaus jesper and alva alva and Mo- mulgans mogans mogans I always want to add an L in there. It's like the third time you've said his name, and I think you've said it different every time. I can never remember his actual name. Yeah. (laughs) Where the hell are the giant kids' parents? So we know Mrs. Crumb is the mom to Honey. That's the boy, the giant boy. It's Honey. I think it's Honey or Honey Junior or something. She calls him Honey, but it's Junior. 
Sure it is. He doesn't have a name. I couldn't find his name. Hmm. She just calls him Honey a lot. And then Mr. Ellingbow is the dad to Pumpkin, who's the female giant. Mm-hmm. But we don't ever touch upon who their other parents are. Because they aren't. Was the it the Megalodon? Is that why they're so big? <laughs> uh, how Did this would that movie work? just cross a whole bunch of lines? I mean, that'd have to be two different Megalodons. Well, I mean, if there's one, there's a male and female. Two. Yeah. Yeah. So when they're going to deliver the sled to Margu, they take the boat and then they go on a very long sled ride over ice to get to her little village to give her the sled. Mm-hmm. How in the hell is she showing up at Jesper's post office every day? Who's letting her make that trip? Yeah, without How parents. is she making that trip? Yeah. How did she even know Jesper existed and letters were a thing to go to Klaus? Weird. What else? You, what do you got? How old do we think Jesper is? 20? 21? He feels older. Because he, he's talking about Sherry as in like, he's drank it before. Sure. 21. All right. Um, would you live somewhere that has a battle bell? 100. Can we have battle bells everywhere? <laughs> I don't know what we'd use them for. I don't know who's fighting, but let's just do it. Yeah. You know, you're like at work and you're like, this dude's pissing you off today. Ring the bell. Let's go. Yeah. Fisticuffs. <laughs> yep. My, I'm going to use my little carrot as a shank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, why did the Samani people show up? Sami. Sami. They're not tsunamis. <laughs> They're not giant weather. Dude, I didn't even things. know that they had an actual name. The little kid says it. Oh, she's Sami. She doesn't live here. Ah, dude, I never. I'm sorry. Why? Do you, what was your question? Why did they just show up? Because they're Sami people, and they came to help. But how did they know they needed help? Margu. How did she know that they needed help? We're she, we're never shown. Jasper has been confiding in her this entire movie. Everything that's happening. Wonderful, but. But what? Why do they no- come at that moment? Because we never see her again after she gets her, her sled. Until they show up. Because she knows. Mm. She's been listening. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. That's it? That's all you got? Yep. All right. What piece of memorabilia, if this movie was real, what do you want to take? Oh, Klaus's axe with oh, his name on it. Oh, yeah, that one's good. I'm I taking... probably wouldn't be able to lift it, but. <laughs> no, you would not. It's probably the size of you. Yeah. I'm taking the family tree. Oh. With all of the figurines on it the that one at the massive. end when it's full yeah. i'm taking it to put it put that on my wall yeah put it on my wall could this be a six episode series yes would you watch it yes yeah same 100 percent. i mean same. if this movie came out to theaters like a special engagement kind of thing i'd run out and go see it well then we already know where you're leaning <laughs> oh yeah by the end of this all right let's go into awards mm-hmm. first up is the prestige award every magic trick as a third act, the part we call the prestige. For the biggest WTF moment in this movie. For me, it's everything that the kids do to the old man in the rocking chair. Like the fact that they push him down a hill. Okay, that's fine. But then they saw him off onto like a little iceberg and push him out to sea. And then they have him on top of a roof where he wakes up and falls off. Like, they Well, do. we don't know if the kids put him up there. We never see that. Mm-hmm. But they're the one. Th- it's the same three kids that do the two different things to him. So I assume I'm, I'm making that judgment, that leap in logic there, that it is those three kids. 
And they just, they, they go a little too far with that. <laughs> Mine is the giant kids. Yeah. I hate everything about them. And they make no logical sense. In a, in a world of no logic, because a lot of stuff happens in this movie that makes no sense, they make the least amount of sense. Mm-hmm. They don't even fit with all the other absurdities going on. Yeah. Get rid of them. Give me the Klaus cut without the giants. <laughs> Next is the psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie. Mine is very simple. It is Jesper and Klaus watching Margu and her family use the sled they brought her. It will break you. I don't care how tough you think you are. I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't care how badass you think you are. This moment will break you. The just straight up joy in her woohoo. Oh my god, yes. Uh, Gets me every time. Mine is the only good kids get toys montage. I know I'm breaking my own rule, but this is so good. Breaking your own rule? I mean, to be fair, it's your rule, but I'm breaking it. (laughs) I'm breaking our rule of it shouldn't be a montage, but this is just so great of seeing kids taking charge and doing nice things and making the town evolve and become better. And it is just done so well that I love every moment of it. I honestly watched this like three times to do this podcast and I watched one bit of it for a fourth time. And it was that great. Great. No notes. The I'll be right back. (laughs) For your favorite line in the movie. Mine comes from when Jesper and Klaus are delivering toys and Jesper's getting kind of annoyed because all the kids are like talking so highly about Klaus, but it's Jesper doing all the things to like get them to the kids. And so we have this beautiful exchange and it's Jesper's line that I absolutely love, but the whole exchange is wonderful. What happened? Not a word. You just sit there and be all magical and awesome. What? Jesper's line in this moment is is funny because it's him taking out his frustration on Klaus and Klaus just being like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I don't hear any of this. I don't get it. It's coming out of left field, but it shows their friendship in the same moment. It is the perfect line read. Mm-hmm. So good. Mine goes to what I would think is basically the moral of the movie. Mm-hmm. But mine goes to when Jesper gets to say it fully for the first time. So I'm going to give you all three variations of it. And then the third one is my winner. So earlier in the movie, after the kids start doing nice things, Klaus tells Jesper, a true selfless act always sparks another. Great. Great moral. Beautiful. This is the most we've heard him talk ever since the beginning of the movie yeah it's great later in the movie when all the sami people show up to help jesper says a true act of goodwill huh and klaus finishes it always sparks another works every time a little bit of a change though no selfless act talk a little bit of a change and then right after he saves the sled from going over the cliff and all the presents have fallen He's getting up, and you think he's defeated. But for the first time in the movie, Jesper is fully in. Every other time, it was Klaus was in, but Jesper wasn't. 
then Jesper was only in part way, and that's why Klaus has to finish the line. Jesper's finally fully into what's happening, and he gets to deliver the line all by himself. A true act of goodwill always sparks another. That's my winner, when Jesper says it by himself, because this man is committed to the cause. Mm-hmm. And it's so... The first, like, two times I watched this movie, I didn't put together the fact that, one, the line is different from what Klaus says because Jesper makes it his own yeah. by the end. But I also never pieced together the the build to him being able to say it by himself. And then watching it this time, I'm like, holy crap, I'm fully committed here. Love it. Love this line. I absolutely hate the bit that comes after because that's when we find out that the two have fallen in love and it's like, but why? Hashtag no love story cut. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't exist in my cut, so it's fine. Oh, that's fair. It's fine. All right. Next award is the Han Shot First Award. Yeah, Oscar. Yes, I bet you have. For what held up the worst since this movie came out. The fact that no one's watched this movie. Oh, yeah? That, that is the worst thing about this for me because I can't talk to anyone about it because <laughs> they had, no one watched it. And, and all the people that I've tried to get to watch it, they're like, oh, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. They still haven't watched it. Yeah, watch it. I'm so mad. Um, I also didn't pick something from this movie. Really? My Han Award goes to the fact that Sergio Pablos has directly stated there will never be a Klaus 2. Huh. There is no sequel coming. Come on, you can definitely sequel this. Do more Santa stuff. Ah. Give me more in this world. And the fact that I'm never going to get it. Come on. I don't know. I think it's perfect on its own. I think you, you make a sequel and it, it diminishes what it has. So does Sergio. I want part two. All right. And our last award, as always, is the Paul Rudd Award. I'm Paul Rudd, and I adapt. For what held up the best since the movie came out. For me, it's the incorporation of traditions and myths surrounding christmas and basically showing the origins i understand that's the whole point of this Mm -hmm. movie is the origin but it's the origin of santa claus but at one point when they're trying to run from the ellingbow and crumb in their sleigh they hit a rock and it pulls the bottom of their sleigh out so it's skidding on the ground then they go off a giant uh ramp like cliff and they fly past a kid's window so the reindeer pulling a sleigh flying past a kid's window, and the kid happens to see it. So he spreads the idea. Did you know Klaus can fly? He's With flying magic reindeer. reindeer. Or the Sami people give Klaus the big red suit so that he can look like the Santa we know. Even though it's not the Santa suit, it's just a big red suit. We see They've seen him in which it's a giant man, but somehow he can go down any chimney. Yeah, they know he's a giant man, but he can go down any chimney. He's... He knows what? The way you say chimney. 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 <laughs> chimney. Chim, chimney. Chim, chimney. Chim, chimney. I think that's I where think it that's is. why I yep. say it like that because <laughs> it's always in my head. But he goes down that. How he sneaks in and drops presents. The naughty The, the naughty list. list. The way they just incorporate it and it all works in this story. Mm-hmm. But it's all the stuff we know about Christmas. Beautiful. That honestly should get my award. Um, it would, if you, it wasn't your award, but I'm going to go with my backup and say the animation. It is that just, was my backup. <laughs> it is just 
gorgeous beyond belief. I absolutely love the fact that it is the two different styles married together in such a beautiful way that it is unique to everything else out there. And in a world full of so many animated things, it's so nice to have that refreshing look to a movie. And it makes it so just gorgeous to watch. That's why I absolutely love current animation coming out for the most part, because we get Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which gives us a very unique style of animation. Mm -hmm. You get Klaus, which is a unique, different style. You get Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, which is even different from the previous Spider-Man one. You get TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, which is its own style. A lot of animation is starting to kind of pick up of, we don't want to do the Pixar thing. The big eyes and the rounded features. We're going to do something different. We also aren't confined by norms because this is a crazy medium. We can do crazy things. It doesn't have to look real. Exactly. I I love the animation in this. Yeah. Final thoughts and decisions. I've said this before. This is my absolute favorite Christmas movie. It has become my favorite since I watched it and I've watched it so many times since. This is for once a yearly watch for me. I love this movie. I think it holds up. I think more people should watch it because it has so much to say about it and it's unique in saying what it says. Oh yeah. Agreed. Uh, I'm with you on that one. I do think it holds up. I do not like Christmas movies, but this is one I can watch and have watched multiple times. And it's not just the animation being beautiful. It's not just the cast. It's a fun story. I think the story is probably the most basic part of this, even though it's written really well. Mm -hmm. It is the most basic part. But what I like the most about this is everything feels earned in this movie. Yeah. Nothing comes out of left field and you're like, how do we get there? And it's very well paced. At only oh, an yeah. hour, 38 minutes, everything just keeps moving. So you're never having a lull. I don't need a two hour animated movie. You're going to have down moments. I like snappy animation. Just move the story. This movie does it. Yeah. It's a great movie. You should watch it. Next week, we're going to be back with another episode, but it's going to be a roundup episode. Earlier this year, we did an episode where I predicted some of the top movies coming out in 2023 and how much money I thought they were going to make. We're going to check in and see how well I did. There's one movie we're not going to be able to talk about, and that is Aquaman. And? Because Aquaman hasn't even come out yet. So can't really touch upon that one. And two other movies got moved off this year's slate to next year, so we're not going to be able to touch upon those. But we'll check in with all the other ones. So join us next week if you're interested to see how well I did. Until then, be good to yourself, be kind to others, and as always, keep watching movies. And Merry Christmas. Bye.